Welcome to iCandy Revision Podcast from Hunger Hill School for your iMedia exam. So this is your first episode, so just before we get started, just a little bit of an introduction. Um, the idea behind this is that we're giving you another way to revise ready for your exam. So uh, these sessions are going to be hosted by myself, Mr. Short. And me, Mr. Dodge. Um Yeah, so the reason why we're doing this then is so that you can, you know, put it on when you're in, on the bus or at home quite easy to access because we make sure that we can put it on yeah so you can get access to this on on podbean or you'll be able to get access to it on itunes as well so it's worth just subscribing to it uh, chuck it on when you've got a spare five ten minutes just work your way through them it's just that extra little bit of revision um, without you really having to do um, too much work so the idea is that each episode is going to focus on a particular topic that you've been studying um, we're going to keep it quite casual we're not professional podcasters or anything like that so you know we might mess it up and have to start again so just bear with us today's episode then your first episode we're going to be looking at mood boards um, in each episode what we're going to try and do is um, work the way through uh, the, the different topic in a certain order so um, we're going to start off sort of with what what is a mood board and what does it contain and um, we'll then look at how when um, and why we use it who might use a mood board um, and then we'll sort of look at what, what a good one looks like and, and, and also what a bad one looks like. Yeah, so obviously with the podcast, the you can't see what we're talking about, but we, we're going to talk you through um, things like the mark scheme. So when you come to do your exam, you'll get asked to to, to look at mood boards and, and various aspects of them, but you can also get asked to create one. So what we'll do is we'll talk you through how the marks are awarded for that. So we're going to kick things off then. I'm going to look at what a mood board is then and, and how we use them. So basically what a mood board is then is a collection of sample materials. Um, so when we talk about sample materials, we're not just talking about images. Images make up a big part of it and you'll see mood boards often are mainly images, but that's not the only thing that mood boards can contain. So um, other things that mood boards might contain, you need to think about, um, for example, companies um, when they're creating videos or um, they might have a certain colour scheme. So you need to think about sort of what, what other things that they might also incorporate. So fonts, um, logos, videos, audio, um, and also mood boards can come in different, uh, two different variations. Um, the, the two different thing, variations that mood boards can come in is that they can either come in a physical format or a digital format. Yeah, and it depends on what, what you're creating, what kind of product you're creating, as to which would be the most um, appropriate. Just to touch back then on what Mr. Doidge said there then. So you've got your images, which is a pretty standard thing. Colours is pretty good as well. So if you're going to build a website, for example, you might want to come up with a colour scheme before you get started. So you might go away and you might gather uh, little swatches, little samples of colours that you plan to use. Fonts and logos are pretty common. So if you are wanting to use, uh, if you want to create a font, or if you're wanting to create a title, you might use the font that you plan to use for that. Logos might give you ideas for what to go with, or you might use your company logo. If you're getting hired by a particular company, you might want to use their branding. Like Mr. Deutsch said then, you've also got things like video audio. Now, those are going to be dependent on what type of mood board it is that you're using. Um, and you've also got things like physical items, things that you can touch, like fabrics and textures. And again, that's going to vary depending on what kind of move what it is that you're talking about. So in terms of what I was just talking about earlier in a physical mood board, as Mr. Short just said there then, that can actually contain physical items that you can touch. Um, so that could be 
images that you print off. It could be fabrics, textures, and it gives you a feel uh, or an idea of a feel about how um, you are wanting the particular product to look. Um, you can also use digital mood boards. Now, the difference, obviously, is the digital mood board is created on a computer compared to a physical mood board, which is actual physical content uh, laid out. So, digital mood boards vary slightly because they can include video and audio and give more of a, a feel to it. And, and as Mr. Short said earlier, um, you might want to sort of think about what or who you're creating it for to decide which which would be the most appropriate uh, mood board to use. I mean, the thing to consider here is that you guys are doing a, a digital course. This is Creative I Media. It's a digital course, and you're going to be asked to create multimedia products. So the chances are, in your exam, you're going to get asked to create or, or choose items for a mood board, um, which is digital. So really what you want to be thinking about there, then, is what kind of items would you need to include? So let's imagine, for example, you've been asked to create a website. So you've been asked to create a website. Let's say that this website is um, reviewing music festivals. Now, on that website, you're going to want certain things. You're going to want images. You're going to want text. But if you're doing a website that reviews music festivals, you might also want music. You might want videos, so you might want to have videos of the bands. These are all things that you can include on a digital mood board that you can't include on a physical one. On the flip side of that then, a physical mood board can include certain elements that a digital one doesn't. So physical mood boards um, can you can include, as I said earlier, images, but them images would be more likely either um, drawn or uh, printed off. Yeah, so you might like there. you might get a magazine, for example. So if you were again, if you're doing that festival, you might go away and you might get a music magazine. You might cut out some pictures or a newspaper. Yeah, and in, and very similar to that, you might you might, for example, if you were creating a fashion website or a, a fashion blog, something like that, you might include certain elements of that fashion. So fabrics actually cut off from. Um, clothing for example um, or that might just form part of the colour scheme so for example as we said earlier mood boards would, would contain a colour scheme either that might be the colour scheme of uh, that particular company or it might be the colour scheme of that particular product but again you might want to show that in a, in a form of, of textures or, or fabrics so the other thing that you might get asked is which one should you use so when you're creating a mood board you can choose pretty much either or most of the time but what you might get asked is well can you name an advantage of a digital mood board over a physical one and both types of mood boards have pros and cons so the most obvious one is that digital mood boards can include digital items so things like video audio animation physical mood boards can include physical items like fabrics or anything that you're cutting out bits of texture and so on if you look at a little bit more um, in a more wider sense, one of the advantages of a digital mood board is that it is created on a computer, and what that means is that it's really easy to edit and add to. I think there's also, uh, in terms of a digital mood board, you've also got to think about if you're working for a client, you might need to send that off to your client, and if it's already digital, that's probably easier to send than physical mood board now if you're trying to send a physical mood board you're going to probably have to turn that into a digital mood board anyway yeah i mean if you think about a physical mood board they can be quite big um so 
like Mr. Doge said there, with the digital ones, you can just email it. So often it'll be created on, on software like PowerPoint, and you can just send that straight across to your client. It takes seconds to send it, and it's much more practical. Whereas a physical one, if you're going to send a physical mood board, you've got a big chunk of card, or you've got a notice board, you, you've got to actually send that off in the mail, or you've then got to convert it into a digital mood board to send it in the first place. Now, the other thing as well is the size. So a digital mood board physically doesn't take up any space in your office. So you've not got a huge, great big board slapped on your wall or, or propped up against it or whatever getting in the way. Whereas a physical mood board, you have got that. Now, I mean, the advantage of a physical mood board is you've got it there, it's printed out, or it's, it's physical, you can see it, and it's, it's there all the time. But then if you think about it, what's to stop you from just printing a digital one? So if you think about the differences between the two of them, there are reasons to have a physical mood board if you want to have physical items. Otherwise, really, your digital mood board is, is probably going to be your easier one. It's much easier to edit. Um, all you've got to do is delete a picture or, or a font or whatever, put it back in again. You can save it and you can edit it as many times as you want. You can email it across to a client. Your client can have a look at it, make changes, send it back to you. There's a lot going on with digital mood boards that you can't get with a physical one. You know, you can't start tearing off bits of paper and, and doing this, that and the other. Um, like Mr. Doyle said, often what you'd want to do is convert a physical mood board into a digital one. I think in terms of that as well, there have been questions that have come up in the past um, that I've, I've asked how, how might you send a, a physical mood board to your client? Yeah, definitely. The past papers have definitely asked that question. So they, they might say, you know, um, name a piece of hardware that you could use to convert a physical mood board to a digital one. Or they might go a bit further and they might say explain the process as to how you would do that. So in terms of that, then if you were to do that, it's really important that... Um, you identify how you would do that so either through taking an image on a, on a camera or scanning the physical mood board in but it's also really important if it's asking you to um, explain the process of it is to also say that and send that to the client yeah I think um, what people tend to fall short on this is if it says something like um, explain the process or, or explain how you would convert a physical mood board to a digital one Often people will just say, take a photo. Well, that's not converting it, that's taking a photo of it. What you would need to do in order to convert a physical one to a digital one, you would have to take a photo with a digital camera or a smartphone, that's step one. And then the crucial bit, the bit that people sometimes miss out, you would have to say, and save that onto a computer. And it might sound daft, those extra couple of words, and save that onto a computer, but that is what gets you the extra marks. So we've seen this come up before, it's been a two marker. Take a photo with a digital camera or a scanner and save it onto the computer. And then like Mr. Deutsch said, if it was asking about how to send that to a client, you might say then and attach that as an email or send that as an email attachment. And that's the difference between your one marks and your two or three marks. It's explaining that process, not just saying this is what you would do. Now in terms of the hardware then, really you've got three choices. You've got digital camera, smartphone camera, or you've got a scanner. So remember, a scanner is kind of like a photocopier. You put your, your picture on top of it, you press your button, but instead of it printing out a copy, it converts it into a digital file, which is then saved onto your computer. So that's, that's how a scanner works. So your pieces of hardware, 
that you would want to use there would be digital camera, smartphone camera or a scanner. Now if you did say smartphone just be careful that you did specify that it was a smartphone camera um, and don't just say um, smartphone. Okay. So the next thing we're going to look at is um, why why do we use a mood board? So what's the what's sort of the purpose of, 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 a, of a mood board? So if you think about it, before you create a project or if, if clients ask you to create something, you might want to think about what why why you're creating it. So first thing that we would do is to help us come up with ideas. So we, we don't just go straight into creating a project. First of all, we would come up with some ideas for it. Um, if you were doing that in industry, you might also send that off to the client first to have a little look at to get some ideas around before then going ahead to create that product. Because it's pointless creating a product if actually it comes to the end of it and it's going to be no good because the client isn't happy with it. That's going to be a complete total waste of time. So actually, it, it will save a little bit of time in the long run, but the, the main thing is to gather ideas. Um, it's also to to sort of get that creativity so so to sort of um, help you come up with an idea for, pro for a product help you get thinking creatively so help you to look at your, your design and, and see where you can go further with that so you might also look at existing design so designs that already exist and a, a really nice and easy way to remember this is why we might use mood boards is ice so as I've just said there ideas so gathering ideas creativity allowing you to come up with creative things that you might then send them to clients to, to show them actually this is what I can do this is what I, what I will do and um, they'll come back to you then with with whether you know that, that they're happy with that or not and then it also gives you a chance to look at existing design so that's the three to remember is ice so ideas creativity and existing designs yeah so it's kind of like um early stage research so before like mr doy said there before you go away you waste a lot of time putting this design together to find out that your client doesn't like it or that you're not really sure about what you're doing you go away you do a little bit of looking online you gather some pictures you think well i like that idea i can use that here or those colors work well together i might include those within my website or video whatever it happens to be it's like a time-saving tool, you know, it gives you an idea of what you want to do, it allows you to, to develop those ideas and, and encourage your creativity, and it allows you to look at what works and what doesn't. I mean, you could get asked here to produce a, a product that you've never done before, so, I don't know, they might say, we want you to produce a, a mobile app that allows you to book a space at a theme park. You might never have done anything like that before, so what you might do is you might go away and you might download... Alton Towers app for example and have a little look at what theirs looks like and how theirs works and it's just sort of giving you those ideas. Now in terms of who uses mood boards, um, generally speaking the, the mood boards are used by the production team so you can send a mood board to a client, you can email them on but often it's just sort of within the production team so the people that are actually going to be making the product um, and it's, it's not a set plan so it's not a case of a mood board isn't a final plan, a final design, showing what it's going to look like. It's it's to give ideas, it's to give inspiration. So having that included along with the visualization diagrams and the final diagrams and designs, um, it's just another way for you to show the production team your thought process, so they can see what you were thinking 
um, when you did that. Um, like Mr. Doyle said, they can also be sent to the client, so that can be sent via email if it's a digital one, um, or I guess they could always come and see if it is a physical one too. I think just to clarify that as well, just um, as it's something that does sometimes get confused, the, 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 the difference between the production team and the client. So remember, the client is, is the person that you are working for, the person that has asked you um, to, to create that, and the production team is the people that you pass it on to create the product. So just a little bit there, just to sort of clarify the difference between what what those what those two are, just so that we're really clear. And when we do get to the exam, if it's asking you about a client or it's asking you about the production team, to make sure that in your answer that is what you are talking about. So that's really important. Yeah, that is that's a good point. That um, the the client, your client, and the production team, they are not the same people. So like Mr. Doyle said, the client is the person or the people or the company that are paying you or your company to produce the product and the production team are the people that are actually going to be producing it, the people that are going to sit down and make this. So that could be a web design team if it's a website or it could be an app development team if you're making a mobile app. So it does vary from time to time but you will always know who your client is because you will always get that in your exam. Um, you'll get a client brief right at the start and it will say this company wants this product and this is what they want it to do. And then throughout the exam, they'll, they'll sort of drip feed a little bit more information into, into you. Um, so they'll build on that as you go through. So it is really important that when, you, when you're in your exam, you are reading your questions carefully and you're making sure that you know who your client is and also you know who you are making the product for. So the pre-production document, you need to know who's going to be using that because you need to make sure that it's giving the right information and it's suitable to what they want as well. So we talked a little bit there about what the product is, we talked about how we use it, we talked about why we have it and what it includes. The next thing to think about then is how you would make one of these in your exam. Now when it comes to uh, your exam, if you get asked to create a mood board, what you're going to get is you're going to be provided with uh, a load of images. So you'll get um, a grid and normally in that grid you'll probably have 20 or so pictures to choose from. Um, you'll get a little picture and you'll get a little description underneath it. So the descriptions won't be much, it might say something like I don't know, a woman with bag or dance logo or teenage boy or whatever, that's pretty much all you're going to get in terms of your description. But then you will get a, a brief, so it will say something like, normally, normally six images, they'll say choose six images to create a mood board um, for this particular product. Now you don't draw those images out what you'll get is you'll get a little area, a little rectangle area on your page and what you're going to do instead is you're going to draw the rectangles inside that shape and you're going to number them for the images that you've selected. So say for instance if you chose um, image one, you, you draw the you draw the rectangle and you'd write in there one so that, so that the examiner knew that, that you were referring to image one. Um, one of the key things um, in terms of uh, it's got, got it talks about a suitable layout. Now, when you're doing a mood board, um, you don't want the layout to be too structured. So, in terms of that, what I mean is that you don't want to draw the images side by side, one underneath each other, or right next to each other. Yeah, you don't want those in a grid. So, one of the things, one of the, I mean, the mood board is one of the easier marks to get in the exam. But we see people lose marks on this because they they want to make it neat, they want to make it tidy, and 
you want it neat, you want it tidy, but you don't want it structured like Mr. Doidge says. You don't want them side by side. So if it looks like a grid, you're doing it wrong. So what you need for this is you need those images to be scattered around the page. So, you know, slightly rotated, some a little bit bigger than others. You want to fill out the space. You don't want them all clumped in the middle either, and you don't want massive gaps. So if you're putting six images on, you should be filling that space with six images. Some gaps are okay, and even some overlaps are okay. So if you've got some of the pictures overlapping each other, that's fine, but you don't want to have that grid. Yeah, I think um, a key thing just on that as well is if it is asking for six images, make sure that you are also including six images. Yeah, again, it, it seems obvious, but we've had people in the exam before who've, who've not chosen six, we've chosen two or three or four. Uh, we've had people that have chosen more than six. We've had some people that have put every single image on, and that's just that just comes down to not reading that question properly. Now, if you choose more than six, what the examiner's going to do is they're just going to pick the first six. So if you choose more than six, straight away you're going to lose marks for your layout because you've not got an appropriate layout for what they've asked you to do. But in terms of actually judging the images that you've chosen, they're going to choose the first six. Anything after that, they're going to disregard. So a good tip here, if you're not sure about what images to choose, think about what you've been asked to create, look at the images and ask yourself this. If you walked into one of your lessons and myself or Mr. Doidge had that picture on the whiteboard, just that picture, nothing else, would you have a good idea what the lesson was about? And if the answer is yes, then that means it's a good image to choose. It's quite obvious. If the answer is no, maybe it's not the best choice. That doesn't necessarily mean that you can't choose it. It's just something to consider. Now, fonts, obviously, you might include fonts on there. You're not going to know from a font what the lesson's about. But the point I'm trying to make here is go through the pictures and ask yourself which of these images are most appropriate to what it is that I'm being asked to do. Which of these images tell the story the best? So there'll be some that will be good for telling the story. There might be others then which are good for the product. So again, fonts, logos, colours, these are all things that can be included in part of your mood board. Remember, a mood board is not just images. So you will most likely see one of those images will be a selection of fonts. You can choose that, absolutely. And the key then is to justify why you've chosen. So justification then is saying why you've chosen that and how that is relevant then to the brief. And again, it's always making sure that we are referring back to the brief as much as we possibly can. So um, it might be that in terms of, um, I think of an example. Uh, so let's about, say uh, healthy eating. So you get asked to produce uh, a mobile app which encourages young kids to eat a little bit healthier. Yeah. So if you chose an apple, obviously that, that, that would seem appropriate. So first of all, that image would, would, would probably be appropriate to choose. Yeah, so sticking an apple on there, you and I know why we've chosen that, okay? It's pretty obvious. Apple, uh, healthy eating, it represents uh, good food. However, putting that apple on and leaving it like that, not worth much. You've got to justify it. So what you would have to do is explain the reasons for your choice. So it's kind of like arguing your point. Now, a good little tip that I have here, what I suggest people do, imagine that you've picked that image because you think that image is good or appropriate, and imagine then that myself or Mr. George are going to come up to you and we're going to say, that image is no good. You've then got to argue why it is. You've got to say, no, hang on a minute, it is good, and this is why. So 
the justifications, your justifications for your image or images, these are more important in a way than the actual images that you've chosen because if you can justify an image which otherwise might not be suitable, that would still get you marks. We talked there about uh, an app for healthy eating. You might put a picture of a burger on there, okay? Provided you can justify that. So, for instance, if you did do that, you, you know, you might see a, a picture of a burger and you might think, well, that's that's not healthy eating. And you can explain that in your justifications as to why you have chosen that image. So really, yes, look at the images. Yes, pick the ones that you think are most appropriate. But if you can justify it in the right way, and you can get your point across, which is why the justifications are the most important part of, of a mood board question, then you can say, actually, I've chosen this picture of this burger as it represents something that isn't healthy eating and therefore wouldn't be relevant um, for, for part of the campaign. Or we could include this as part of the campaign so that we can tell um, the, the young children that actually this isn't the right thing that they should be eating. Yeah, so like if you think about the app again, for example... Um, let's think about that burger picture you might say I've chosen this burger picture because on the app I'm going to compare the burger with a healthier alternative so I need a picture of the burger so I can do that and that makes sense that's that's a way to justify it you've explained yourself you've, you've, you've told me why you've done that so this for your top mark band so your top mark band this is normally it's normally out of 12 so if we get between 8 and 12 marks what you're looking for here then is all of the images that you've selected to be relevant now, we've already talked about the fact that relevant is a subjective term, so what you think is relevant and what the examiner think are relevant are not necessarily always going to match up perfectly, which is why your justifications matter. So that's the next step, making sure that you've got good justifications for your images. Now, when you do your justifications, you can write around the edge, so you don't need to fit your justifications in the middle. What I've seen people do before, and this is entirely up to you which you prefer, if they've got their six boxes drawn out for the images, some people have treated those boxes like text boxes and they've put the number, so they've written image one, and then they've justified it inside the actual image. And you can do that if you want to. Otherwise, you can annotate it. So around the edges, write your justifications, point your little arrows to it. But the key is you've got to say why. You can't just say, I've chosen this picture of an apple because it's healthy. That isn't a why. I've chosen this picture of an apple because it's healthy and promotes healthy food, which is what the campaign is aiming to do, that is a justification. So, for your top marks then, all your images are suitable, so they've all got something to do with what it is you've been asked to create. Your layout is suitable, so things are not too organised, you haven't got anything in the grid, things are not squashed, things are not spaced out, so there's massive gaps. The images that you've drawn or the boxes that you've drawn are an appropriate size. There's a little bit of randomness to how they're spread out. Then maybe they're rotated a little bit, so on a slight angle. And then your justifications. And that's your, that's your 12 marks. So this really is one of the easier marks to get. Just make sure you're reading that question. So I think that pretty much covers um, what we need to talk about there for Moobods. Have you got anything, any final thoughts, Mr. Dodge, before we wrap things up? I don't think so. I think there's, there's obviously other things to think about in terms of... Um, you may get asked a question in terms of what does a mood board include and again that goes back right to the beginning of this uh, this podcast where we where we spoke about that so things like colors things like images fonts, fonts. video and, and you, audio. you need to sort of remember that as well so you might you, you 
you could get asked a question about creating a mood board, but you might also get asked a question what asks you what a mood board includes, or the difference between a physical and a digital mood board. You just actually made me think about something there. One thing just to be careful of, um, when you've been asked to to identify what a mood board can include, don't write text. Text is not an appropriate answer. Text could be anything. It could be Shakespeare. It could be the instructions on how to fold a napkin. It's not text. It's font. Or better still, font style. So when we talk about font or font style, we're talking about the way that text looks. If you say text, the assumption is that you're just including written words, and that's not that's not an appropriate answer. So font, or even better, font style is what you want to go for with that. And, and just another quick thing on that as well. This this doesn't just apply to mood boards; it applies to um, all the different pre-production documents. But it's if you get asked a question that says other than fonts, what what could a mood board include? Make sure that you do not write fonts. And again, it seems really obvious. Absolutely, yeah. You, you, we see that quite a bit. Yeah. You know, a question will say something like other than this, other than fonts, other than colours, other than images, and you'll see people will write it down. So. The key with this, I mean, the key with any of these questions in the exam is really making sure that you read them carefully. Read them and read them again. If you're not sure, come back to it. Just leave it for a minute and come back to it. Make sure you understand what it is you've been asked to do. Um, A good little tip as well is that, generally speaking, your exam, um, your exam's going to be 75 minutes long. So what we would recommend you do is aim to give yourself one minute per mark. So if it's a two-mark question, just give yourself two minutes on it. Any longer than that, you're probably answering in a bit too much detail or you're spending a bit too long waffling. So one minute per mark, that'll give you plenty of time there to come back. You'll get 60 marks in the exam, so you'll have an hour doing that, and it'll give you a bit of time then at the end, you get 15 minutes, to go back through and check those answers and make sure they're spot on. So I think that's pretty much covered that for for this episode. Um, Hopefully this has been useful to you. Um, Please don't just listen to it once. I know we probably get sick of hearing our voices, but listen to them again, play it back, stick it on repeat, get it stuck in your skull, and it'll make things a lot easier when it comes round for your exam. So, uh, that's that for this episode. Uh, Your next episode we're going to be looking at is going to be Mind Maps. Um, So we will see you next episode. Bye.